You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. What's up, Mosaic fam? How we doing? Oh, y'all, y'all sound like people ain't had no coffee or sleep. How we doing? Yeah, that's more like it. Well, I'm excited to be with all of you today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Barnabas. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Pastor Morgan and First Lady, as I like to call her, are sending their love. They're, they, got a, they were able to do a quick getaway for the, for the weekend, and you'll be hearing from Pastor Morgan next week. I have the privilege of, of continuing us in this series, Coming to a City Near You, where we are unpacking and journeying through the, the book of Ephesians. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Rosin did an amazing job of unpacking the power Hour of a greeting last week, Pastor Morgan helped us to, to walk through the, the part, second part of chapter one and talked about Apostle Paul's declaration that we are the fullness of Christ. And today we get to look at the first part of Ephesians chapter two and see what the Lord may want to speak to us. And I'm actually going to be your scripture reader today and I'll read verses one through 10 for us. Are you ready? We got one. Amen. Uh, as for you. <laughs> You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is a reading of God's word, and let the church say, amen. Amen. Before um, I was born, my father worked at a steel company for many years. And until he got sick and wasn't no longer able to to work, my, my mother, she worked in retail for over 17 years, often working countless long hours, standing on her feet at inn and working on holidays. Year after year, she would experience challenging situations like discrimination, unfair wages, and being overlooked. I got my first job uh, in the, the, the summer before my senior year. In 1998, it was particularly hot that year. I can start to feel a sweat come on just thinking about it. It was for a construction company back in my hometown, the great city of Fort Worth, for those of you who don't know. Uh, we, we, got, we got two fans in the building. Uh, <laughs> I made $6.50 per hour. And actually, back then, that was a pretty good wage. You can barely get a cup of coffee for that amount today. Come on, y'all. Amen. <laughs> Everybody say, I want that coffee. Um, I went on to do various kinds of work. I, I was unloading trailers. I was working at call centers, turning at an engineering company, being a campus missionary, working on the, for the university, tax and payroll, and becoming a pastor. And it's interesting to see what Apostle Paul says in verse 10 when he says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But the truth is, 
there's a lot of things that we can do for work. There's a lot of things that we can do in this world as it relates to our vocation. So what does Apostle Paul mean when he says good works? For many of us, this single verse has caused us to ask a question that may seem to be impossible to answer. What has God called me to do while here on this earth? We go to school, we attend workshops, we listen to podcasts, we do all the self-assessment and personality tests and, and, and the list goes on and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not saying stop doing those things. I'm merely wanting to acknowledge that even though we do all these things, for many of us, this question still remains. In full disclosure, I'm probably not gonna answer that question for you today. Well, at least probably not in a way you would expect. I think there's a better question that we can ask, but before we get there, I think it's important for us to kind of unpack and define what good works actually means. The word for work in Greek is ergon. It means business, employment, that which anyone is occupied. It also means anything accomplished by, by one's hand, art, industry, or mind. And the word good in Greek is agathos, useful, pleasant, joyful, excellent, distinguished, upright, and honorable. So then, taking into consideration that, that we are people who are created in Christ Jesus, I will attempt to kind of fuse these things together and form a simple definition that hopefully captures the heart and spirit of what this passage is talking about. So then, for us, good works is anything, everybody say anything, accomplished by our hands that glorifies God and serves others. Good works is anything accomplished by our hands that glorifies God and serves others. Real simple, right? I know it may not be the answer you were looking for. Maybe you wanted me to tell you you're, you're called to be a teacher, a doctor, maybe even a, a pastor. So sorry to disappoint you, but I don't think that's what Apostle Paul had in mind when writing this letter. Your job in and of itself is inanimate. Of course, there's some exceptions to certain jobs may, may warrant you being um, immoral or unethical, and so steer clear away from those. But for the most part, what you do vocationally is neither good nor bad. And if this is the case, then what makes anything a good work? Well, that's where we come in. We were created in Christ Jesus, then part of our role here on earth as it relates to our work is bring our goodness into the workplace, God's goodness into the workplace. But without this clarity, the temptation is to put these unbiblical limitations on what and how we view good works. By doing so, we can make the mistake of believing that someone who works in retail or maybe an electrician is somehow less holy than somebody who's a pastor. That's not the way that God sees it. Some of you might be called to be a missionary and perhaps travel the world telling people about Jesus. And some of you, maybe even many of you, will stay right here Maybe at the company you work for now, opening up your home, loving on people, and sharing Jesus with them too. Both are good works, and both are holy. So I think that instead of asking the question, what am I called to, what has God called me to do while here on this earth? I think there's a better question we can ask. And that question is, how do we labor in such a way that brings glory to God and serves others? How do we labor in such a way that brings glory to God and serves others? Secondly, I would like to submit to you that in many cases, we may not necessarily change our type of work or the type of work that we do, but perhaps scripture is inviting us to change the way that we do it. 
And for all my note takers out there who can't live without a message title, (laughs) we're going to be talking about unveiling the power of vocation. And there are three main ways we can do this, and that's through our witness, our worship, and our wonder. Father, I pray that your word would come forth today in a meaningful and powerful way. I pray that, God, I would move, and it would be your voice, your heart, and your spirit for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's revisit our passage, and I'm intentionally putting our witness first because I want us to get a picture of what God may be calling us to in our places of work, and then kind of follow that with some of the things that may get in the way and actually how we go about doing that. So in verses four through seven, it says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So if we've been raised up with with Jesus and we're seated in heavenly realms or heavenly places, the translation is, honestly, we've been upgraded, right? Yeah. We, we got the hookup, right? So I want you to, to imagine that you go to a concert to see your favorite artist. You're sitting in the nosebleeds, way in the back. You touch the wall, it's right there, right? <laughs> Manager of the venue comes up, points you out to security. You get a little scared at first, like, what did I do? And he motions you to come forward, and the security guard goes to escort you to the very first, first row. You're like, what is happening right now? You get excited, you enjoy the performance, it's amazing, best day of your life. And then afterwards, come up to you again. It's like motions for you to follow them. They go backstage and now you're getting the opportunity to meet the artists, hang out with them, have conversations, right? And so you're excited here. I don't know about you guys, how many of you would lose your mind? Yeah, yes, let's be honest, we got two honest people in the room, I appreciate that. (laughs) All the rest of you, we're gonna pray for you. Y'all front, y'all know y'all phone would break for all the selfies you take. And I'm here with Beyonce, hey, hey, right? Y'all get so excited. And let's say it doesn't end there. Manager of the venue says, oh, just right before you're getting ready to leave. He says, also, tell all your friends, we'll hook them up too. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to tell who? Everybody. You're going to get all in. Mom, mom, let me tell you what happened. All your friends, your neighbors, you need to, you ain't got to buy a good seat. Just go in the back. They're going to hook you up, right? Because you've been upgraded. And if this is the case with an earthly thing, that we would be excited, we would want to tell everybody about it, then shouldn't this be the case? Shouldn't the same be true for heavenly things? And one of the ways that God shows the riches of his grace through the ages to come is by extending his kingdom lineage, and he does that through you and me. And this, the way that this pans out, simply put, this is us telling others about the things that God has done in our lives and letting them know that it's available for them too. This isn't us recruiting people to join some team or some movement or some one-time experience. This is us inviting people into the family of God. And if we were once dead, but now have been made alive, something on the inside of us begins to burn with a passion that others would be made alive too. Years ago, my, my daughter was only a few months old, and my wife st- uh, stopped working so she could stay at home uh, with our newborn, and I would uh, drive for Uber and Lyft just to make a little extra money. And, and one day, uh, I would stay up pretty late. It was you know, from 10 to maybe 3, sometimes 4 o'clock in the morning, driving all over the city. 
And this one guy gets in my car, and clearly he had a few drinks before he entered my vehicle. And strangely enough, we begin to have these conversations about God. I was surprised. I was taken, taken aback, right? And, and so we, we keep having this conversation. It wasn't a very long ride, but then we, we get to the place where I'm um, to drop him off, and I just didn't feel right about it ending. So I turned off the app, and we kept talking, maybe for like an hour. I began to share how God moved in my life. I began to tell him how God is not expecting you to be perfect. He wasn't expecting me to be perfect, but he's continuing to perfect me over time. Begin to encourage him, prayed for him, we exchanged numbers. Followed up with him a couple of times after that. I never heard from him again. At that moment, I was reminded that work is more than about making a paycheck. It's, it's a vehicle, in that case, a 2012 Nissan Versa, <laughs> through which we can make an eternal difference. So part of being a witness is, is having these gospel conversations. And I realize that for some of you, this may be very intimidating, right? You're like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't want to talk to people. I get it. It may not seem like it or appear that way, but I tend and bend towards being an introvert myself. I, it's easy for me to kind of be in my own bubble, to keep to myself, to, to, to really just get my work done, check my boxes, make sure employer is happy, and go home. But God is calling us to so much more. And I love what Tim Keller says in his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says, our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interest. The reality is that conversations don't just happen. And I wouldn't recommend having a conversation about God or forcing that on anyone in any setting. And your workplace is a prime example. Hi, Jim. Can I tell you? My name's Jim. Can I tell you about Jesus? Like, like yeah, that's a little too soon. Let's, just, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like, we just met, like, like two seconds ago. Think of this as a school zone, not a toll road, all right? Like, this, we got to ease into this thing. The reality is that people get to know you and you get to know people over a period of time. And oftentimes, these conversations just naturally happen. But I know that it can be tricky to know what it looks like, so I'll provide you with a few do's and don'ts that hopefully will help you be a good witness at work. The first one, you're gonna love this, I'm being sarcastic. Um, work hard. <laughs> Sorry, can't escape that one. <laughs> Pretty simple, right? As a people fueled by God's grace, we should be some of the most brilliant, capable, influential, productive people on the planet. God created us to work. He found pleasure in his work, right? And he's created us to do the same. And one of the worst things that you can do, one of the worst things you can do is be a horrible employee and try to tell people about Jesus. Ooh. Always late, not putting your best foot forward, gossiping in the, in, the, in the office, and turn around. Let me tell you about the Lord. Mm-mm, no, don't you do that. Don't you do that. You need to just mm-mm, throw away the key. Just, let's, get, let's get your work game up. Then we can start talk, talking about the Lord, all right? Let's do that. Okay? We love you, boo. We love you. <laughs> so don't be surprised if your colleagues aren't interested in what you believe. Maybe it's not because your gospel presentation needs to be more polished, but maybe they're not interested in your God because they're not inspired by your work. Sting, don't it? I love what an Anglican priest, Dean Stanley, said about this. 
He said, the true call of a Christian is not to do extraordinary things, but to do ordinary things in extraordinary ways. The true call of a Christian is not to do extraordinary things, but to do ordinary things in extraordinary ways. Next, be open. And so what does that mean? Am I telling you to tell all your business and put it out in the streets? I'm I'm not saying that, but I'm simply saying, allow your trust in God to be seen by others. Our tendency is to shrink back because of the increasing intolerance of Christian beliefs. We don't want want to stir the pot. This is understandable. I get it. And I'm not uh, encouraging anyone to be argumentative or to to, to not use wisdom when, when it comes to responding to hot button questions or topics. But we should also be honest about God's provision and grace operating in our lives. Oftentimes being transparent about our, our faith is, just, is simply sparse curiosity. And it leads to gospel conversations. Maybe your coworker sees you reading your Bible during your work, work break lunch break or right before you start your shift or they catch you saying a quick prayer before you eat your meal. It's funny, the other day, me and my kids were hanging out. Uh, my phone was getting fixed. It was acting weird. <laughs> and we went to this restaurant nearby. And as, we're, as our food arrives, I have my kids pray. And my son prayed and then my daughter prayed. But right as my daughter was praying, the waitress comes back. She's like, can I fill up your water? And she's talking and she feels weird. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. No big deal. And she said, you know what? That made my day. It made my day. We never know how just living out our faith in public will impact people around us, whether they're believers or not. I love what Matthew 5 says, verses 14 through 16. It says, you will are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We shouldn't hide what God is doing in and through us. And sometimes we suppress it. And God's just saying, get out of the way and let them see what I'm doing. The last do is, have a good attitude. I know all these seem very practical and simple. I'm trying to give some low-hanging fruit here so we, we don't overcomplicate it. In some cases, it's not God that people have an issue with. Sometimes it's us. <laughs> Let's be honest. I didn't get no amens on that one. <laughs> if we're always complaining, never have anything positive to say, we're not really letting our light shine, are we? It's not really shining as brightly as it should, is it? And people aren't drawn to that. In fact, it's the exact opposite. They're repelled by it. But what if instead our attitudes reflected our trust in God's ability to work things out for our good? I think something powerful would happen. When people see us go through difficult situations, but we maintain our joy and our peace, it speaks volumes. And this is just as vital to our witness as preaching the gospel itself. I'll give you a few don'ts. First one is don't assume. Don't assume that someone is not open there learning more about Jesus. Another one is, is don't assume that you're not gifted enough, anointed enough to communicate the gospel in a meaningful and relevant way. The pendulum swings the other way. Don't assume that you're always right and everybody else is always wrong. That can happen too. It's image bearers of of Christ Jesus, 
We're called to walk in this tension of boldness and humility. It attracts people. Don't compromise. The temptation is that we can kind of blend in because we don't want to stir the pot or, or, or cause any unwanted attention that sometimes comes along with being a follower of Jesus. I want to encourage you to not compromise your values or your morals just to fit in because you're not called to fit in. You're called to stand out. When people see you live and work with integrity, they notice. And typically, this opens up doors to more conversations about Jesus. Don't stop trying. Trust that and relationships are built over time. And from my experience, consistent, intentional acts of kindness and care eventually produce some type of fruit, whether it's in you or in others. Hopefully, we're beginning to see that our work can become good work without you going anywhere, without anything physically around you changing, and it can impact the lives of those around us. But I think it's also important for us to unpack how impossible it is to do that in an effective way without understanding the importance of worship. Let's revisit our passage for the first few verses. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Apostle Paul takes this moment to address our condition before we, we entered into a relationship with Jesus. He talks about how we have followed the ways of this world. He goes on to remind us that at some point in our lives, we had given ourselves over to these kind of natural impulses, these ungodly things and desires. So it seems appropriate to take a moment to identify some of the ways of the world as it relates to work. There are many ways that we succumb to these kind of cultural pressures, but for the essence of time, I'll just name a few. First thing is that we can look to work as a way of escape. A way of escape. Maybe our desire is to escape financial insecurity. I've been there. I remember a time as a, as a kid growing up in my old neighborhood, there was a, a moment where our lights, our water cut off. I remember having to go to our neighbor's door and get these jugs, ask them to fill it with water so we could boil it on the stovetop and take hot baths. I think of moments like that, of lack, and I translate that into my current style or whatever you want to call it, condition. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for my family. And if I'm not careful, then the pain, the disappointment, the trauma from the past can be the thing that fuels fear and causes me to do whatever it takes to avoid that. I try to escape it. I try to run from it. For some of you, for some of us, maybe we feel like failing in other areas of our lives it's so overwhelming, we don't even want to deal with it. So work becomes this place where we get a sense of value and significance. We begin to look at it as a source of approval and, and validation, and we forget that anyone or anything that we give the power to validate us, we also give it the power to invalidate us. And that power reserved only, solely for God. When work becomes an escape, it's much like a drug. It becomes this thing that we turn to to meet our needs, fulfill our desires. Maybe you don't turn to alcohol or some other substance, 
but the addiction of work can be just as devastating. It can cost us our family, friendships, and even cause us to abandon our beliefs. So maybe you're wondering, well, how do I know if I'm falling into addiction? I got a few things that may be helpful. Now, I want you to understand that we're talking about a consistency, a pattern over a period of time, but a few of them I think might be helpful. Symptoms of work addiction, unnecessarily working long hours. Now, I realize that sometimes you have that, right? There may be a big project or there may be, get gone, you know? <laughs> and so it's not saying that would never happen, but if this is an ongoing thing, if you're always losing sleep in order to get more work done, if you have paranoia over, over, over work performance, deteriorating relationships with others as a result of work, neglecting your personal health and well-being because of work, missing significant life events or milestones of family and loved ones because you got to work. This might be an indication that it should be a, a check. Maybe you should check in and see, maybe, am I? Am I slipping to addiction? Work can also be a place where we find our identity. We can make the mistake of allowing what we do to divine who we are. And instead of being a place where God has created us to express who he is, the power of him operating in us and through us through a craft or a gifting, and instead it becomes a place where idols are exposed. Our work doesn't define who we are. It actually is a place where we can express who he is. It's also going to be a place to just simply exist. Some of us may look at work and we're like, I just, you just dread it. I don't even want to go. What's the point? It's meaningless. There's no purpose. I don't like what I do. We can easily feel like it's just another thing and there's, there's actually a means to an end. So we get there and now we use this, 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 this employment, which by default in a lot of ways means we use other people to just get what we want. Or you're like, whatever, these relationships don't matter. I'm, like, I'm not supposed to be here. I want to encourage you with a quote. This is an oldie but a goodie. Rick Warren in the book Purpose Driven Life says this. He says, work becomes worship when you dedicate it to God and perform it with an awareness of his presence. We can't do the things that I just listed and say we're worshiping God. I want to encourage you that this doesn't have to be the case for us. What the world views is the, 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 the relationship with work doesn't have to be ours. And when we, if we are in Christ, have a, another option, as we worship, our offering, being living sacrifices causes us to work as unto the Lord. So it's not about what we do, it's about who we're doing it for. And we do all things to please our God. And if he's did so much for us, laying down his life on the cross, me showing to work up on, showing to work on time, that's easy. Me being nice to my coworkers, that's easy. He laid down his life for me. If we view what he's done in the way that is true and right, then worshiping becomes easy. I don't think it's possible to truly witness without worship. I believe worship fuels our witness. And lastly, as we try to figure out what it looks like in our place of work to, to labor in a way that brings glory to God, I don't think we can do that without a wonder. Verses eight through nine says this. 
It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, I think sometimes I forget that God's saving grace is miraculous. This familiarity gets in the way, and I don't see what it talks about in Psalm 77 when it says, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. The word wonder means amazement, awe, marvel, astonishing, surprise. And although all throughout scripture, everything about God begins and ends with wonders. From creation itself to a burning bush that turned normal dirt into holy ground. God's a God of wonders. And what if the only thing standing in our way of experiencing this in our world is our unwillingness to believe for it? What if God was just getting started with giving us saving grace? What if that's just the beginning and he wants to see miracles happening at your place of work? What if God wants to do something miraculous and it's not even consciously on our mind because we're too bugged because we don't get to work on that project like our coworker does? We don't get to do the same things that they do. You see what's on my resume? I'm supposed to be, right? We get, we get so distracted. But God said, I want to do a miracle. I want to do something that's wonderful. What would happen if you offered to pray for your boss's sick relative and they actually got healed? What would happen if you believed God for a prophetic word for the person sitting in the cube next to you? And what if that was the, the, the thing they were waiting for? to help them to believe that God is real. What would happen? Whether you work in a department store, an office, a classroom, a hospital, what if walking by faith and not by sight brought people around you closer to Jesus? If I were to be completely off, honest with you, there have been times where I just settled for the world's definition of normal, for, for ordinary. But for God... Miracles are normal. In his kingdom, wonders, signs and wonders are commonplace. What if we begin to expect miracles much like we expect the traffic light to change colors or grass to grow? It just becomes a normal way of life. God moving in powerful, miraculous ways. You know what I want? I want people to look at my life and be astonished, amazed bewildered. What is happening? And I want to be able to tell them it wasn't me. It was God. I want them to see that it's, it's not my own strength. It's not my own ability. It's not my, my own training. Right? God did it. And you know what? He did it for me. He can do it for you too. He's a God of an upgrade, right? I want to encourage you. I don't know where everyone is. You might be in different places in your career. Maybe you're in between jobs and looking for work. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you love your job. I don't know where you are. But I want to encourage you to seek God and ask him, in what ways are you asking me to look at my job differently? To redefine good works for me in a way that gives you glory and serves others. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. I pray for those who might be experiencing some frustration at work. Maybe it's not the type of work they envision for themselves. 
Maybe they're, they're frustrated because uh, they feel like their, their, their potential isn't being realized. But I pray, God, that you would show them that it's so much bigger about their career advancement, so much bigger than a promotion or, or, or being able to work on the, the things that they desire to do. I pray they will be reminded that their work is designed to give you glory. And I pray, Father, that you would begin to give them wisdom on how they can change, not what they're doing, but the way that they look at it. So I invite your spirit and your word to transform the way that they work. And for maybe people who they love their jobs, they get a lot of fulfillment of what they do. They feel like their talents are being leveraged well. But maybe as it relates to being a light, gotten a little bit comfortable, hesitant because they don't want to rock the boat. Maybe people will look at them differently, even though their performance is out, of the, out through the roof. I pray, God, for a boldness and a humility that will allow them to shine more brightly. That when people see them, they will see Jesus. God, I know that you've called us for a time such as this. You've created a work for us to enter into. And I, and I pray, God, that all of us, regardless of what industry, what company, stock holdings, whatever they might be, that we would bring your goodness to our places of work. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.